All right, Faith Promise, how are we doing this week? And you guys good? Well, I think it's funny that the millennials have never even heard that song. I asked Rachel last night, I said, by the way, have you seen that movie, Get Ready for This Song? She said, what movie? Now, if you're a millennial, that's not funny. But if you're my age, you guys have missed some stuff. I'm just going to tell you, that was incredible. Nine to five, baby, way to make a living. We're always grinding it out. Welcome to all of our campuses. Great to see you this weekend. Now, our theme verse this year we, that, we, that we spent the whole month of January unpacking as Isaiah 43, I want you to realize something, that when, we, when God gives us a verse and a theme, it is because we believe that God wants to do something through that all year long. God speaking to Israelites that were captives in Babylon, they were slaves. They had no, nothing on their own. Like many of us, honestly, are slave to money. Is that fair? And so God says, I'm gonna do something new. Now it's gonna spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God wants to do a new work in your finances today? Does anybody believe that? Anybody believe God wants to do a work in your finances? Come on. Now, that was extraordinarily weak. And maybe many of you don't believe that. And I hope by the end of this message, you'll have your attitude adjusted. Amen? Because some people need an attitude adjustment. When I was flying a plane regularly, I would call air traffic control because the directional gyro on the dash that gives you the direction that you're flying experienced technically what was called progression. And so that, that gauge that would give me the heading would slowly and imperceptibly grow off worse and worse. And so every now and then, I would call ATC and say, hey, this is... 93125, what heading am I on? And they would say, 93125, you're on 059. And I'd say, well, my gyro says I'm on 70. Thank you. And I would adjust it. Sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. And by the response I just got, some of y'all need a course correction. Amen. So I'm going to give it to you because that's my job. I believe God wants to work in our finances. And honestly, the work he begins in our finances, which is what most of you want, 10 million more dollars, the work that God does is do a work of contentment first. Are you with me? That's, that's the beginning work. And if you missed last weekend, man, go back and nab it. Listen, we don't believe at Faith Promise in a prosperity gospel, but we also don't believe in a poverty gospel. We believe in a provisional gospel. God said, I will provide all your needs according to my riches in glory. So if we're going to continue, if we're going to begin to live like a boss with our money, then and we're, well, this is the will of God that we move into the corner office of contentment and take charge instead of being behind and the money be boss, take charge of, take charge of your finances. We're moving out of the, out of the cubicle of comparison because, see, when we compare, we never have enough. Just go on a mission trip with us. Go to a dump that I've been to in Africa that one million people live in, and they live in cardboard boxes, and they're happy. See, because they don't know anything else. Can I tell you, the people that live in those cardboard, a million people never even dreamed that they could have an apartment, a condo, a trailer, or a home. They never dream in the wildest, well, beyond their dreams that they'd ever have a car, that they'd ever go out to a restaurant, Things that you and I take for 
Granted, because we compare with everyone else, what we have is not good enough. So last week, we began to climb the ladder of, 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 out, of con, out of comparison in a contentment to live like a boss, taking charge of our finances. We determined last weekend that if you have the wrong goal, you will always have the wrong plans. Does that make sense? And God's will, God's goal for you is contentment. Paul said in Philippians, it's a secret. I've learned it, Paul said, rich, poor, hungry, full. I've learned the secret of being contented. It's a supernatural secret that the world will do anything to keep us from knowing in America. So we're going to make a financial plan. We've got to make a plan based on what we have rather than what we want. People say, well, I'll make a plan when I get enough money. I'll make a plan when I get a raise, when I graduate college. I'll make a plan later on. No, no. If you're going to be the boss of your money, then you got to make a plan today on what you have, not what you wish you'd have, right? Does that make sense? And so many of us, thousands of us this weekend, literally, have made a plan in the past and we failed. We got a budget, didn't work out, had an emergency, didn't have money, had to go borrow money, and we crashed and burned. And so because of that, you have convinced yourself that you will only be the boss when you have. The problem is we never have. So we're never the boss of our money. The world is set up to keep you enslaved. The American culture to keep you enslaved by your money. Before the Great Depression, 90 plus percent, I think it's 98% of people owned their homes free and clear. Almost every American owned their home. Today, less than 5% of Americans own their own home free and clear. Because we now moved into a debt. So part of it is, man, is, is an attitudinal change. At Faith Promise, one of our values that we have is that we give generously. Are God's people generous people? See, but how can you give generously if you don't have a plan to manage and control your money? See, money is a slave to us. We are not to be slaves to money. Jesus is the boss of us, and we are the boss of money. Amen? Come on. Now, there's a spirit that's attached with money. That's why it creates greed. The Babylonian God called Mammon, that's what Jesus used and the, so there's a war. So I want to give you some biblical money principles this weekend that are going to help you. Now, there's a book written called The Day America Told the Truth. And in it, it asked, it did surveys to Americans. One of the questions in the book was this, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? I've heard the conversation multiple times, what would you do for a million? This question, what would you do for 10? 25% said, I would leave my family. A quarter of Americans said, I'd become a prostitute for a week or longer. 16% said, I'd give up my American citizenship. 10% said, I would withhold my testimony and let a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% said, I would kill a stranger. And 3% said, I'd give my kids away. Now, that just reinforces what we should all, and I'd give my kids away for free. Uh, it just goes to prove the point that in America, money is the boss of us. Is that right? Is that right? It's just the boss of us. That's the culture that we live in. And so we, get, we, are, we experience Jesus, many of us, we, we are saved, and yet we bring the American culture of money into, into the church. 
See, only in America, around the world, only in America does following Jesus mean I go to church a couple times a month. Ask people, what does following Jesus mean? And they will say it means I go to church. Now, only in America do I follow Jesus and I don't need to have a quiet time. Only in America does it mean I don't need to serve the body of God, even though I'm gifted and called to do so, even though I'm called to have a prayer life, even though I'm called to study the word of God, even though I'm called to serve. See, I'm too busy making to serve God. I'm, I don't have enough to give. So 80% of us don't tithe. So my question is this, and I love you, man. I want so much for you. But are we really willing to sell out the glory of God to keep a few more percent of money in our tight fists? Think about it. Now, let me ask you a question. Are y'all are listening? Yeah. Are you thinking? Because it's going to get worse before it gets better. So the rich young ruler walks up to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to get to heaven? And Jesus said, pray a prayer and go live your life however you wanted to. Isn't that what he said? Go to church. Isn't that what he said? Because see, that's what we believe. No, what did he say? He looked directly into his heart and saw that his God was gold and greed was his creed. And he said, go sell everything you have, give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And the guy walked away and said, that's, the cost is too much. I'm not doing that. I'd rather have money than you. So let me ask you a question. How is it that we all believe that, hey, I'm good, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I don't give and money's my master? Are you okay? So there's no holy hoot nanny going on right now. Do you hear that? Everybody shouting, amen, come on, preach it, brother. <laughs> See, are we, listen, because there's a lot bigger thing going right here. Come on, put your big boy pants on. Can you do it? See, are we really willing to miss the presence and glory of God to keep a little more money? See, here's my heart. I want the glory of God to fall in the house. Listen, what I'm praying for is that, Campbell, is that, that, our, that our God behind bars campuses, <clears throat> God moves in such power that prisons all around America come to see what's happening because so many prisoners give their heart to Jesus. I'm looking at Campbell County campus, people throwing their meth, they're throwing their stuff down, and people walking in there lined up to get in the house of God. I'm looking at Farragut with that 1,100 seat performing arts center filled twice with people lining up down the road to get in. I'm looking at Pellissippi with people not being able to get in services because they're lining up just like they do every Saturday to watch UT play a game with a pigskin. See, come on, wouldn't you rather the glory of God? Man, I want the power of God to follow. I want Acts chapter 2. See, I don't need to compare. We don't have to compare ourselves to another church. We've got a Bible that shows us what to compare ourselves to. And in Acts chapter 2, the glory of God fell and 3,000 people were saved. And they laid hands on people and the dead were raised. And the blind saw and the lame walked and the deaf heard. The lepers were cleansed. The prostitutes were saved. The drunkards were born again. And lives were changed by the tens of thousands 
There was a fear in Jerusalem of the people of God because of the glory that was on them. I don't want church as usual. I don't want business as usual. I want God in the house. Is anybody with me? Now, just sort of let me point out where we are today. Here's the deal. This morning, I meet early on Sunday with a prayer team. Almost everybody in the prayer team said this, God, I know it's raining, and I know people are not going to come today. And would you, would you touch them? And I just repented when it came. God, I'm so sorry that we're so weak and pathetic in America that we look outside to see if it's raining, if we're going to come worship you on your day. See, last weekend, the grandstands were full, but it wasn't raining. Now, let me ask you a question. If we won't come to church because it's raining, what will we do if persecution happens in America against the people of God? We will deny Jesus. We will run. We'll take the mark of the beast. We'll do anything. Are y'all awake? Listen, I love you. I'm not mad. I'm just grieved. See, I've done two funerals in the last two weeks of godly women that we didn't have enough power to see God heal them. And it wasn't that we didn't have faith to believe, we believed. But see, we have grown accustomed to a weak church. We've grown accustomed to the bulk of people, 80 plus percent that don't serve, 80 plus percent that don't tithe. We've just grown accustomed to that and we think that's business as usual. If we want God unusual, then we will be unusual in our obedience to that God because obedience and faith precede revival. Come on, somebody. I call that a golf clap. Come on. Man, somebody are saying, is he, what, 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 who got, you know, they put a B in his britches? No. I pray every day for you, God, Father, that you'd set us free from the entanglements of this world. No soldier in active duty entangles himself with the everyday affairs of life so he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. God, we, we believe that you're the same yesterday and day and forever, and God, you're able to bring forth signs and wonders. You're able to heal Kim Whitehead today, God. You're able to raise the dead, God. You are able to open blind eyes. God, we have grown accustomed to even quit believing you for miracles because we've walked in a weak church in America for so long now. Somehow we believe we serve a weak God. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You are the triune, holy God of the universe. You're the creator and the sustainer. You breathe life. You have glory. You have ability. You are the limitless, all-perfect, holy master of all that there is. And God, we want you to be the boss of all that we are. Marriages, families, kids, futures, careers, finances, freedom, emotions. Holy God, would you line us up, light us up, and move us out. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give God an amen in his house. So when I try to talk to you about getting your financial house in order, half of you think he just wants my money. Golly, bum grow up. It just shows you, if you believe that, that money's the master of you. It proves it. Come on. Man, listen, don't give here. Give somewhere else. 
Get freed up from money. Come on. If you're born again, man, God took you out of Egypt. Come on, let God get Egypt out of you. Mm, help me, Jesus. Bust a cap up here. So we have a... Some of you. Some of you have said it's raining. I should have stayed home. So you ever ask the question, where did it all go? Now, I'm way behind because none of that was really in the message. So I needed to get that off my heart and chest. See, we've all asked, where did it go? For many of us, the only, the only thing that stays the same as our finances is the money goes out faster and faster. Would you agree with that? And so, and so the prophet Haggai speaks to the people in Jerusalem who have been released from Babylon. They go back to build the temple, but they don't do it. They get involved with their agenda and their empires, and they forget the kingdom of God. Would, could we say that that's part of us this weekend? Okay, the person next to you, not you, but that person. And in the midst of that, a culture just like today, God speaks to Haggai. Consider your ways. He said, you, you sow much, but you harvest little. Uh, you eat, but there's not enough to get satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, but no one is warm enough. He that earns, earns wages, put in a purse with holes. You ever think somebody drilled a hole in your bank account, sucked all your money out, where does it go? It does that because money's your boss. And God says, as long as money is your master, you are never going to have enough. You'll never earn enough. You'll never make enough. You'll never have enough in the bank. You'll never have enough money, enough inch. You'll just never have enough. Does that make sense? So see, financial freedom is about you walking in freedom. Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave so that you could walk in victory. But many of us think, well, if I had that $10 million, I'd be the boss of money. No, actually, if you're not the boss of little, Jesus said you won't be the boss when you have much. It's a biblical principle. Well, if I, and so many of us think, well, if I just had a little more, I'd be the boss. You just won't. So the boss gives us some money principles. And I want to look at through the lens of the prodigal son. It's an odd way to go and look at money, but it is incredible. Because here, do you know what the word prodigal means? It means wasteful. And as we look at the prodigal, he got in a financial hole so quick. How easy is it to get in debt in this America today? Let me tell you how the, listen, look, look up, come on. The world is not your friend. God is your friend. The world is set up to entangle you. So here a lovely, sweet little 18-year-old, innocent, young adult goes and sits down with a counselor in college getting ready to go to college. And the counselor who knows everything, the parents who don't know anything, looks at little junior and says, now listen, college is so hard, you can't work and go to school. I.e., you're lazy and dumb. That's what they're telling you. See, it's all right. So they say, we're going to sign you up for financial aid. Now, let me give you the, the, let me give you the, the speak. That is, it's going to take you six years to get a BS or a BA. That's the average in America today, six years, because you're going to change your major four times. They're going to tell you what to change your major to. You're going to get a major where the top earning income in that major is about $32,000 a year. 
And in six years, you're going you're going to garner about $150,000 worth of debt, which you will never pay off, and that's exactly where they wanted you. Exactly. I beg people, work and go to school, pay your way. Go to Pellissippi for two years. Go to UT for two years. Decide what you want to do before you go. Pay it off as you go. Work and go to class. You're 19. Put up the bong and go to class and get a job. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Because the school, and so that student will go back to the parents and say, I signed a financial aid. No, 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 I'm going to help you. Oh, no, no, no. My counselor said I had to borrow money. That's exactly right. Because the world is, in, is, is run by the devil. And that's what Jesus said. So Luke 15, holy moly, am I behind? The man had two sons. The younger said to the father, Father, give me a share of these state defaults to me. You ever heard the fast speak on radio? <clears throat> Give me my money. Give me my money. I don't want you to die. I want my money now. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything he had, went on a journey to a distant country. There he squandered his estate, all his money with loose living. Party. Now, see, when I talk about prodigals, some of you check out while you say, I'm not a prodigal. And my question is this Have you surrendered your heart to Jesus and not your finances? then you're a financial prodigal. You really are. I'm not sure how that all works out, but you are. See, at Faith Faith Promise, one of our values, and we believe it's biblical, is we put God first. Is God supposed to be first? In what? In what? Of your money, time, marriage, serving, gifts, eternity? Absolutely. So we put him in charge of our money. So the prodigal is a past example of truly many of our current realities. The prodigal refused to wait, and that way he allowed money to be his boss. And that's what America does to us. We refuse to wait to save. We want it right now, so we live in debt. We pay three times what something is worth because we're going to buy it on a credit card and pay 32% interest with it. See, the, the prodigal prioritized pleasure over people and pleasure over time. Thomas Huxley said this, A man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do just as he likes or just as he pleases. So there's a prodigal, financial prodigal in most of us. Would y'all agree with that? So how can you know when money is the boss of you? I'll tell you what, how? Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. By what you're willing to do for it. 25% of America said, I'd sell my body for for $10 million. What are you willing to do? What am I willing to do? Am I willing to let Visa be my master, discover school loans? Am I let them, you know, or, or what do you prioritize? What gets prioritized in your life? Barna said, almost all Christian families say providing for my family is the number one financial priority in my life. Okay, I got that. But sometimes, do you know what that sounds like? Taking a second job so I can earn more, so I can give my kids more. You've already given them too much. That's why they're entitled. That's why, because they got a trophy at every sport they ever played, even though they never got off the bench. We're telling And because you didn't have much growing up, you want to give your kids more than you had. Well, what you had hurt some of y'all, you want to give more. 
Are you, does this make sense? See, what are, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you going to take a second job for? Because see, your four-year-old doesn't care that you work 18 hours a day. Your four-year-old wants mom or daddy at home. Come on, the Bible says, listen, it is vain to rise early and eat the bread of painful labors till late at night. God said, I'll make you rich while you sleep. See, we prioritize being the boss of what we have over what we want. Money is no longer the boss of us. We say, okay, here's how much I make. Here's what I have. I'm going to manage and steward that instead of waiting till I have more. Because as long as you wait, money will always be the boss. Your deepest desires can't be bought with a credit card. That new pair of shoes won't bring you the joy of the Lord. That new gun, listen, it won't bring you the peace of God that passes all understanding. That credit card won't bring you a miracle when your loved one has cancer. That credit card won't bring a prodigal home or daughter back home that has gone the way of the world. That, pro that credit card won't give your marriage. It won't make it happy. Everything you want most, the credit card won't buy. Y'all believe that? Then come on, let's get our spending under control. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He didn't say, don't plan for tomorrow. He said, don't let the worries of tomorrow choke out the word of God that's in you today. So we want to help you. Even the prodigal made a plan to return. You got to make a plan. And so the budget begins with asking the right questions. It's amazing to me how I do it, most of us do it. When we want something, we abandon common sense and buy it anyway. Is that, is that fair? Come on, is that fair? I'm as guilty as everybody else. Hebrews 12, 11, I love this verse. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. The gym is not joyful. My favorite part of working out is finishing. Do you like it? I hate it. Why do you go? Because I want to serve God till I die. I don't want to be a fat old preacher blobbed up on the couch, unable to serve the king. I want to be a weapon in the hands of God. So I get my lazy carcass out of bed and I go to the gym and I hit it. Friday, they tried to kill me. I'm sure of it. They're going to hell. So... Wait, if my coach is in this, I didn't mean that. Tim, if you're here, I'm so sorry. See, discipline for the moment, it's not joyful. It's sorrowful. When you've been eating Haagen-Dazs for the last 20 years and you have to start eating real food, it is sorrowful. Listen, come on. Listen, when you spend all your life eating fast food that, by the way, is not really food. Listen, don't eat at a place where they have a playground and plastic furniture except Chick-fil-A. So, <laughs> come on, are y'all okay? See, this, <laughs> help me, Jesus, I'm out of time. Yet to those that have been trained by discipline, it afterwards, not while you're doing it, not when you're building a budgeting and cutting off your cable and giving up cigarettes and quit going to Pinnacle and quit buying stuff you don't need to impress people you don't like and stick in a storage building you got to pay for because your attic, garage, closets, and basements are full. Doesn't seem, you know, afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. If this was not pleasant, if this was pleasant, it wouldn't change us. So what do we do? Discipline asks the right questions and asks whether we like the answers or not. Should I buy this new car? I really want this new car. Well, in light of what I'm looking for, I probably shouldn't, but I want it. 
See, here's, here's, here's how we budget, here's how we make decisions to the Lord. Are you ready? If you ready, I'm ready. Can I afford it? What will the monthly payments be? How much can I borrow? That's how we make decisions. Assuming that if we actually can make it work out on paper, we should buy it. The reality is this, that you can always outspend what you earn. Now, let me give you your, let me get, go to the next slide. <clears throat> Here's the deal. It is your income limit, not your credit limit, that is your spending limit. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Because listen, it might look good, it might smell good, but it won't be long and it won't. So in the light of your fast financial experiences, in the light of your current financial picture, in the light of your future financial hopes and dreams, what should you do? See, the right question, living like a boss doesn't ask, can I? Living like a boss asks, should I? We love the house we live in. It's on the lake. It's magnificent. I've created spots where I meet with God every day. I love that house. But our kids are grown. It's too many square feet. We don't use it as much as faith promised as we used to because, man, crazy people started knocking on my door in the middle of the day. Man, people tried to break in and get to me. And so, and so man, we, Mama Josh Whitehead said, we've got to quit doing stuff at your house because some crazy person is going to come in and kill you. So we don't use my house as much. So we're going to sell the house. Do I want to sell the house? No, not really. I love the house. But in a lot of my current financial, my past financial, and my future plans, which is to be debt-free, I'm going to sell the house and cut it in half. Enjoy the house I'll move into, but I'm making a decision based on where I want to be, not what I want today. So that's what you got to do. So, man, some of you believe there's no hope. This is what my pastor, Chris, I just told there is no point past the point of no return for a God who can raise the dead. So listen to me. I don't care where you are. If you're so deep in debt, you can't see the bottom. If you're so poor, you can't pay attention. God can get you out of that. Matter of fact, God wants to empower you and get you out of that. So here's the deal. Man, if you, are, if you need some help, take the communication card, sign up for Financial Peace that we're going to be launching that we're going to start at the end of this series. Go ahead, fill the card out, put in the offering buckets when it comes by. Are you with me? So just go ahead and get, just go ahead and fill that card out. Now, the deal is that, that listen, 40% of people in America have no savings. And less than 20% have $1,000 in their savings. So step number one, building a boss-like budget, get, get, get $1,000 savings account. You say, I already don't have enough money. How am I supposed to get, listen, how am I supposed to get $1,000? Well, quit going to Starbucks and buy you some beans and grind them at home. <laughs> listen, get all that stuff in your storage building and all that crap you had to have that you bought on Visa and sell it on eBay. Get, listen, empty out some of those shoes and those clothes you don't wear and that bike you don't ride you had to have and that exercise machine that's actually in your bedroom as a clothes hanger. Sell that stuff on eBay to other people who want to get bound up in debt. Man, get $1,000. And guess what's going to happen? When you have $1,000, when a crisis happens, instead of money being your boss, you'll be the boss. Because what will happen? Man, when you've got margin in your finances, listen, margin turns an unexpected expense from a crisis to simply an inconvenience. You don't have to go to MasterCard. Come on, is this, is this helping anybody? So, man I, just, man, I just want to challenge you. God, so much more to cover, and, and we're, not, we're, we're just not going to get there. So here's the deal. Our God is able.
Our God is able. We got to get off the world's economy and get on God's economy. And can I tell you part of God's economy? Many of you guys worry and fret over money because you're, you don't regularly and faithfully give to God. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you telling me, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me that 100% of my money is not enough? And I already know that. And if I give 10% away, I'll quit worrying and fretting over money. That's exactly what I'm telling you. See, because the money is the master of you, you can never have enough. You're not always worried. When you become a generous person, giving regularly and faithfully to God releases that bondage and that enslavement, being gold, being your God, and greed, being your creed. Are you with me? So are you, it's counterintuitive. I got that. I got it. But it's God's way. See, God's way is never the world's way. Are you, are you, are you serious? Man, I'm so serious. And honestly, the thing that grieves me most about people not being faithful financially personally in your own world, and then, and then in the, join the generosity journey is because you limit God in your life. It's not because we need more money. We have, look, I got $15 million worth of vision right now. If we had the money, we would do it. But, but that's not what it's about. It's about you walking in freedom. So listen, man, if you say, well, I want to give, but I ain't giving in here, praise God. I'll give you 10 places in Knoxville to give it, and I'll give you 100 worldwide to give it. I don't care. Just quit being stingy and enslaved to money. Does that make sense? So some of you, your next step is actually what the prodigal did is to come home to the father. Because the prodigal's greatest need was not money and the pleasure he bought with his inheritance. It was the gaping hole in his heart. And there's a hole God created you with that only God can fill. And so if you're ready to make God the boss of you, because let me ask you a question. If you're listening, Sam. Which way would your life go better? You being boss or God being boss? Do you really believe that? Then there's some of you that don't have a relationship at every head bow, every eye closed. Open your life up to him right now. Pray this prayer with us. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. I've been the boss. I give you my life. You become my boss. You died for me. You rose from the grave. Give me your contentment your will, and your way in this wicked world. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Now, the sad, the sad deal of it is there'll be a thousand less people here this weekend than last weekend because it's raining. And the devil won the victory with part of our family. Are you with me? See, I want you to feel what I feel. The Bible says, share each other's burdens with us, fill the law of Christ. I'd, I'd love to give you part of my burden for you and for this body. Are, does this make sense? That we miss miracles because, because we're like the Nazarites who didn't have any faith and Jesus couldn't do many miracles when he was there. I want a miraculous church, don't y'all? And so, man, let's say yes. So as we move to generosity in worship, if, if you just gave your heart Jesus, pull the communication card out in front of you and fill it out, drop in the offering box, just check the bottom, gave, I pray with the pastor. If you haven't been to Next Steps, how to find out to get more involved, check that. We'll be in touch with you. Next Steps is the second weekend at all of our campuses. 
And if you're a guest, by the way, if you just fill the communication card out, we don't want anything else from you. January, thousands of promisers committed to get in and get on New Rivers and New Reds. And one of the roads we said was generosity. So just take the next step. Because life is really life, is really lived when it's given away. When life is all about you and all about you and what's going on in your life, that's really not life. Come on. Jesus said through in, in, the, in the book of Acts, it's better to give than receive. So consider putting something else as more important than you. That's part of the, every week when we give, every week we just say, God, you're more important. We put you first. We have it drafted. As soon as, as, as our paychecks go in the bank, automatically. So the very first thing we get paid, the very first thing is God's. We take God's part out, which is a tithe, and then we add another tithe to that, and then we give a little more on top of that. Why? Because we just love to give. Giving frees us up. Amen? And when your hands are like that, holy moly, what can God put in them? Because we never dreamed God would do in our lives where he's brought us to. We want to see you right there. So, man, it's time to take the next step. Begin giving. Move up a level. Prepare for heart for the harvest. Man, let's worship as our ushers as our ushers come forward. God, we just ask you to take and use this offering. And as people, God, begin to get freed up financially, as we begin to be like a boss, like the boss in how we manage, and that we are rich towards God. God, would you move in power? Would you move in glory as we give, God? Just meet us as we believe you for great things. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, all God's people said, come on, give him a shout as we begin to give.